Family Movie Night Potluck is tonight at 5 o'clock. And we're going to watch a movie um, right afterwards, about 6.15. We'll get the, get the movie going. And we're going to watch Heaven is for Real tonight. If you haven't ha- seen it or, or if you've had but want to see it again, it would be a great time just to get together and watch that. Uh, Potluck's at 5. And tonight, Tom has made a couple. I put this on, the, on, our, on our Facebook page. He's made a couple of chickens and a couple of uh, racks of ribs. Um, and so the meat pretty much is taken care of. If you want to b- come and bring um, a side, you know, a salad, a, a fruit salad, or a dessert uh, for the potluck, um, we'll have some lemonade, things like that already also. We, and so um, come out at 5 o'clock and bring something like that. And uh, we're going to, Shannon and I are also going to make um, barbecue, a little extra in case we have a lot of people. We'll make a, some barbecue chicken thighs or something like that. So we'll have plenty of, oh, and he's supposed to bring a corn of the cob, so... So that is awesome. So come 5 o'clock to fellowship. Tell someone uh, and bring them with you. And then 6.15 for heaven is for real. Amen. Hey, uh, an, an update on the van. Um, the van that was given to the church last week. It's, it's in the shop. And, you know, this is the way things go. Um, Dan Geeling from D&G Auto is going to try to take as good care of us in fixing the van as possible. But he called me when we were away at the uh, pastor's conference and said that, wouldn't you know it, that we have the only, uh, one, of the, the only one he's seen, um, not California vans, but federal vans, which means parts for it are almost impossible to get. And it's, uh, the, the tank was a plastic tank, which was, uh, was, has a hole in it, so you can't weld it. So we need a, a, a brand new tank. And he looked all over, and I went online and looked all over for a used tank or anything else. There is none out there. So the cheapest gas tank is $1,000 for the van. And so anyway, so, um, but it's still, I, I asked him, I says, is the van worth it? Because he looked it over, he says, it's still a really good van. It's, it's a, up to a 15 passenger. So anyways, but uh, so be praying about that. If God puts that on your heart to give a little extra in the offering, cover that. And because, um, you know, we've got, we want to just see. We're, we're going to use that van to the glory of God and to see the kingdom expanded and, and bringing kids into ministry for youth night and Sunday mornings and whatever God would open up the doors. But, uh, but you know, as we give today, we're giving not just to keep the lights on in these things, but we're giving to really expand ministry here in the valley and overseas. And, you know, I've been part of Christian Center for uh, since about 1985, so it's been quite a long time, and we've always... Um, had such a strong impact in ministry. You know, we're connected. Our missionaries today are ministering. Um, well, Jason Friend, who we support, uh, who you support, uh, just got back from Cuba. And again, thousands, you know, tens of thousands of people heard the gospel and thousands were saved. Um, and so, you know, we're really making an impact all throughout the world through our missions. And so when we're giving, we're, we're, we're giving into the kingdom of God all over the place. And I want you to know that you've given, this church has given you know, really millions of dollars, actually, um, over, over the course of the last 30 years in, into, into missions, and it's really awesome. And so let's pray and ask that God would continue to uh, not just meet the needs, but he would expand what we're doing now to be able to reach the people that he wants reached for his name. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to be faithful, God. I know you've called us to, to give a 10% of, of what you've blessed us with, Father. And in addition, God, we want to give, um, just want to bless you and bless the work of ministry that you want to do through this house. We thank you for how you're um, stirring up the gifts and you're stirring up hearts, God, and that you're partnering with us uh, t- to reach the different parts of the world, God. Pray that you continue to give us wisdom, 
Lord, as we would give into the offering today, that you'd give us wisdom to sow good seed into good places, Father God. Pray that you would, um, again, as we pray, yeah, we would desire to see the kingdom, your kingdom come and your kingdom established in this place, in this valley, in this state, in this country, God. We want to see the name of Jesus lifted up throughout the whole world and your kingdom established. Father, bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. I think all my board members are here. Board, me- board meeting is Tuesday at 4.15. Tuesday at 4.15. So put that in your in your thinkers or in your in your phone if you're using a digital calendar reminder thing, and uh, we'll see you at four fifteen. And uh, pray for your board, pray for the elders, pray pray for the, those making decisions in the church that they have wisdom, um, because you know what God wants to do something. In this, who believes that God is not done with us yet? Amen. Some of you believe that. That's good. That's, I'm just kidding. You know, praise the Lord. You know, God isn't done. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not done with this church. He's not done with this state or this nation. You know, don't get caught up into, you know, whoa, it's over. The sky is falling. Everything's bad. You know, even if the sky is falling, until the sky actually has fallen, we need to preach the gospel. We need to be busy about his work. And so, um, but I, I believe that there's still a harvest to be done. I believe there's people um, to be reached. As long as there are empty seats in this, in this place, we need to keep filling them up with those who need what you have. What you have. You have Jesus Christ. We have the hope of the world inside of us. And we have, we have been too quiet for too long. The sleeping giant needs to arise, the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, this is, this is not part of my notes, but you know, in World War II, I'm not going to get off into the gun thing, but in World War II, when, when Japan made that decision to attack Pearl Harbor, they, from what I understand, they didn't want to attack the mainland. And there was a quote, I believe, from a general that the reason they wouldn't actually attack us on the mainland is because they believed that ev- behind every door was a gun and that no matter what size army they had, just the, just the people of the United States would be able to, to, to fight any army. You know, th- that's the church. Let's just take that away. And let's, behind every door should be a believer who can push the enemy back and conquer whatever comes toward us. We need to not be afraid, but we need to begin to go out and, and make a difference in this world. Uh, amen. That was just free. It's free. I don't know if it made the recording or not. If there was a title for today's message, I, I think I would call, would, if you want a title, if you're going to take taking notes, which I strongly, it's great to take notes. Um, the things that we hear, we don't re- really retain them. It's very sad that uh, after 72 hours, only about 5% of what you, what, what you hear is retained. But if you'll write it down and read it again, uh, you'll retain it longer, and it can make an impact. So if you want to write notes or draw pictures about the, the message or something, it would be great. Um, but if I were going to, uh, one, one title for this message, title of the message would be Independently Dependent. Independently dependent. Tomorrow is is Fourth uh, of July. It's Independence Day, and we're going to celebrate by eating food, because that's how we celebrate everything. <laughs> we just like to eat food.
Um, but you know, I love the Fourth of July. Love the Fourth of July. I I love the the fireworks. You know, we live in a in a great place. If you're ever off the hill and you say, "Oh yeah, I live in Big Bear," and we're going to watch the fireworks over the lake, people go, "Oh, that's such a neat thing. It's such it's a great show. Um, it's wonderful. I love how the radio station plays patriotic music in the background. Um, just something, something you get together with family and friends." Uh, during the day, and, and of course, food. So you have fireworks, family, friends, and food. Those, are, you know, we could just be part of the 4F club, and we got it all. Um, during that 4th of July patriotism, I, I routinely tear up while watching the fireworks. That's just me. I'm, I'm, I love this nation. Um love the songs, I love that, and, and it just something, something happens, and I, I often think, I mean, I, and I purposefully think about the sacrifices of people before. I think about the, the war that won our independence from England. And um, we sing these songs, a new song that's come uh, in the last number of years that has really taken a, a, a big stand in, in our patriotic songs is I'm proud to be American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died and gave that right to me. And I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. For there ain't no doubt that I love this land. God bless the USA. Now, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if you've passed the sign both directions. Anyone passed the sign both directions since yesterday and seen our marquees out there? One side says, God bless America. The other side says, America bless God. That wasn't a typo. That wasn't a, an accident. One side says, God bless America. The other side says, America bless God. God bless America. Land, of the, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her. That song, when I, I hear it, you know, I, just, I think, you listen to those words, it's about God blessing this land. It says... Um, Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. The first song is really about me and how much I love this, this country. The next song is about God. Bless this land. Lead it and guide it. Can we say that? Is that okay? Can we say God bless America? By, by saying that, are we saying God don't bless the other countries? Yeah, I don't think so. But when we say that, can, can, we, can we say God bless Mary? Absolutely, because it's a prayer. It's a prayer. The question might be, will God answer it? Is God going to answer the prayer, God bless America? You know, he is sovereign. God is a sovereign God, and he can answer it if he wants to. This is a simple answer. When we come up with all these wonderful things about God, will God do that? Well, God is sovereign. He can do whatever he decides he wants to do. In fact, none of us in this room knows exactly how God works. If you think you got the corner market on how God works, uh, yeah, you, you, you just don't, right? I mean, you know, I'm not going to come up with anything clever. None of us really understand how God works because we, we've seen his hand and we, we, we know he, he loves us, but exactly how he works, we don't really know. Because we've seen blessings on people that we wouldn't bless <laughs> if we thought about it. 
And it's like, wow, God, why'd you bless him? Why'd you bless her? And we might, we might not be so quick to give that blessing out and thank God, because I'm sure there's people in our lives that are, that are going, God, why'd you bless them? <laughs> I want to read a couple of chapters. What, will God bless this, this nation, and why, if he will? Genesis 12.3 is a really simple, simple passage. Genesis 12.3 says this, I will bless those that bless you. He's talking about Israel. And one of the reasons this country has been blessed is because we have been a blessing to Israel. And, and the word says, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. If that doesn't describe our nation. You know, this nation uh, has, gives the most to um, missions and to uh, aid than, than any other country ever. Probably mo- all the countries combined. One church, we just went to the pastor's conference at, at um, Saddleback with Pastor Rick Warren. It was a great time away. Uh, very refreshing, very encouraging. Um, he, they just, that one church just passed the point where one church has given $1 billion away in missions since its inception. A billion dollars from one congregation. Man, I mean, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's compete. Let's do that. I want a thousand. No, but you know, but but this this country has given. We care about this, and all the peoples on earth has been blessed through us. And one of the one of the reasons is because the Bible, God says, "I will bless those that bless Israel." It's right in the word. We believe the word. Another another scripture, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, it's Old Testament. It's it's important scripture. No, it says, "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray." And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. That is a prescription for finding the healing of God upon the land that we live in. That's to seek the face of God, turn from wicked ways, pray, humble ourselves. So yeah, I believe that there's healing. I believe that there's uh, blessings can come from the way we live. If you have your Bible and you want to go there, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's good for you to see it if you've got your Bible. You can flip there or you can swipe there. Deuteronomy chapter 28 is a whole chapter on blessings and cursings, on obedience. So I want you to be there. I want to encourage you to read this and get this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you're wondering what verse, all of them. The whole chapter. We're not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a few. It shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. That is such a great picture. I picture blessings chasing us. We're like, "Ah!" we're trying to get away because we have so many blessings and the blessings are going to overtake us. Who wants to have so many blessings that you're running away from them? Don't be afraid to say yes. But that sounds so selfish. It's in the word. 
They'll overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country, and blessed be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offsprings of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall, shall you be when you come in and when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. He keeps going on. Now, a little bit later, it's the curses of disobedience. Why are these blessings going to come? If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today. Well, that, that's it. That's the prescription for blessings of God is that we are people who obey the commandments of our God. God will bless those who fully obey and who carefully follow his commandments. Will God bless America? I, I, he already has. And I still believe he still is. And perhaps, just perhaps, he'll continue to bless this nation. And I, I really say that honestly. Perhaps he will. Perhaps he won't. Will we obey him or will we disobey him as the people of God? You know who God is really looking at to, to see whether or not the blessings are going to happen on this? It's not the world. It's the church. It's not the world. It's the church. Will the church rise up in power and rise up in faith and obedience and seek God and turn from our wicked ways, humble ourselves, I believe his blessings will come. I believe the blessings may come to, to just groups of people who do those things and maybe other people won't, but we'll walk in his protection and his blessing. We need to pray. We need to seek God in his ways. We need to build our lives on the principles that are found in the scriptures. I've got a real quick video we want to show and she left. Jump up there. Turn off the lights and show that video. Thanks.
Amen. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You know, this, this country was founded on God's principles. You know, if, yeah, the, this nation was also founded or began as an act of, of rebellion, an act of independence from, from England, but not in the way, in that independence, that independent act, maybe not in the way that a lot of us think. None of us in this room, I, I don't believe, have ever lived under the tyranny of a government system like the, the founding fathers did. It's not too late. It still could happen. We see the reaching arm of the government going more and more, and, and we don't know what the future holds. But we've ne- most, I don't think any of us have ever lived under the tyrannical government, under a government um, that, that had so many, so many oppressions upon their people. Now, I know that some of the, when, when we came and founded this nation, it wasn't only for religious freedoms. It was, that was one of the things. Now, the, the Puritans, the separatists, as they called them, those, they came over here so that they'd have religious freedom. But a lot of the people came over here, they wanted land. You couldn't own land in England. There was a lot of other things happening. But among the things that were happening, they wanted religious freedom. They wanted to be wor- able to worship God. But it wasn't the Muslim God. It wasn't the Muslim God. The founding fathers built the, the, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, off of principles and precepts found in Christianity, in the Bible. And the, and the quotes that we read, and a few more that I'm going to hit, um, really back that up. Our understanding of independence, some, would, in, some people in this nation today would include independence from the Bible. Independence from God, from anyone telling them how to live their lives. That's what this nation is all about. That's not what this nation was founded upon, is independence from God in the Bible. It was founded on, on dependence upon God and dependence upon the Bible. That's how it started, and that's how we need to continue to live. And I believe that we, we need to understand that we are not first Americans. We are first Christians. We are first Christians. Our first and highest patriotic duty is to Jesus Christ, to his church worldwide. But as we celebrate this Independence Day, I wanted to to look at the founding a little bit and see how that affects us. According to the founding fathers, independence from God in the Bible, that wasn't part of the definition. I want to read a few other um, quotes from different people. John Adams, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, said a lot of things. Let me give you a couple quick quotes. The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity, John Adams. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. John Adams again, without religion, this world will be something not fit to be mentioned in polite company. I mean hell. (laughs) I have examined all religions and the result is that the Bible is the best book in the world. John Quincy Adams, 6th President of the United States. In the chain of human events, the birthday of the nation is indissolubly linked with the birthday of the Savior. The Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. Benjamin Franklin said this, As to Jesus of Nazareth, my opinion of whom you particularly desire, I think the system of morals and his religions as he left them to us, the best the world ever saw or is likely to see. Some of these men weren't overtly Christian themselves. Ben Franklin wasn't overtly Christian. But yet he even understood the God of the Bible and the importance of the Bible and who Jesus Christ was. John Hancock, we know 
him. He was signer of the Declaration of Independence. You know, when we say, give him your John Hancock, there's just a little history lesson. The reason we say that is because his is the largest signature on the Declaration of Independence. And it was really a rebellious thing that he wrote John Hancock so big. Because remember, one of the quotes that came out of the signing of the Declaration of Independence was, we, shall all hang, we should all hang together lest we all hang separately. Because they knew that they were committing treason against their nation. And so John Hancock said this, that all nations may bow to the scepter of our Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ, and that the whole earth may be filled with his glory. That the spiritual kingdom um, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ may be continually increasing until the whole earth shall be filled with his glory. These were all taken out of prayers that John Hancock prayed in front of different groups of states. He prayed that to, to confess their sins and to implore forgiveness of God through the merits of the Savior of the world. On another occasion, he prayed to God that the, that's the, to cause the benign religion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be known, understood, and practiced among all the inhabitants of the earth. These, they believed the Bible. They believed in God. They placed their life on it, and they wanted to see God and his life spread throughout the whole world. Patrick Henry, righteousness alone can exalt America as a nation. Whoever thou art, remember this, and in thy sphere practice virtue thyself and encourage it in others. Righteousness alone can exalt America as a nation. I believe that was true then, and I believe it's true today. Thomas Jefferson said this, I am a real Christian. That is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. And just a few more from Benjamin Rush. There's just one more, really, from Benjamin Rush. He signed the Declaration of Independence. He was a ratifier of the U.S. Constitution, and he was the Surgeon General of the Continental Army. He, he was known as the fa- one of the fathers of, of medicine. The only means of establishing and perpetuating our republican forms of government is the universal education of our youth in the principles of Christianity by means of the Bible. But this is not a Christian nation. This wasn't founded as a Christian nation. All the people in the beginning, they were just some, you know, ethereal God people, and they really wanted a separation of church and state. Hogwash. Don't ever let anyone tell you that that's the truth. Don't ever begin to believe that. It was founded on Christianity and the Bible. So we celebrate 4th of July, we celebrate Independence Day, but we're not to be independent from God in the Bible. And I know that all of us in this room agree with that. We're to be free from tyranny, tyrannical governments, and tyrannical leaders. Before you think that I'm saying, so go get your gun, and let's revolt and rebel about what's about to come in November, we need to know that the most tyrannical leader of all time is the enemy of your soul. The most tyrannical leader of all time is the enemy of your soul. And we need to be absolutely aware that the enemy of our soul is also the enemy of any nation that aligns itself with God and the precepts found in the Bible. The enemy hates any group of people that aligns itself with God and the Bible. The enemy has been out to destroy this nation since its inception because it was founded on God and the principles found in the Bible. And the enemy has been gaining speed we see in this land. But I'm looking at a bunch of people in here, godly people. And boy, I want to tell you, it's, you know, when I was away, I was like, I really do love our church. Love to be part of this body. And I'm so excited about what God has for us in the future. Um, we need to be free from that enemy of our soul and his tyranny. 
Romans 8.1 says this. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So here's a little, you know, so in case you're getting sleepy, in case you're getting tired a little, who has been set free by the Son of God? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. See, I think, I think I'm talking to most of us in this room. You've been set free by the Son of God, and if you've been set free, you will be free indeed. Church, we have been set free from sin. We've been set free from death. We've been set free from hell. You know, sometimes you feel like you've got to say hell quietly because hell's not a good topic of conversation. You know, it's, it's kind of weird. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. We were on our way not to to death in a, in a coffin and never... We were on our way to hell. And Christ set us free. We're free from sin. We're free from death. We're free from hell. <sighs> we're free from condemnation. We're free from condemnation. None of us should feel condemned. None of us should believe that we're condemned. The Bible says now, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, you've been set free and there is no condemnation. And that is something we're celebrating. In the, new, in the NLT, the New Living Testament, Galatians 5.13 says this. We've been set free. That's what it says. We've been set free. So Galatians says this. For if you... For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So we've been set free, but we can't li- use our freedom to serve ourselves and to live in sin. 1 Peter 2.16 says this, Live as people who are free, but not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So church, we've all been set free, but we can't use that freedom to just live for ourselves, to live in an evil world, to just pretend or, or to say, well, you know, God forgives my sins and so we're free. We need to, to walk in this understanding that we've been set free, but we need to live in that freedom and not get back into the, to the sin. I want to turn with me to Romans chapter 6 if you have your Bible. I was going to put some of these up on the wall, um, but... I didn't. There's no one to press the button up there anyways. Romans chapter 6. This, this is a few verses. I want to read um, 18 through 23. I'm reading out of the NIV. So if, you st- if you're reading a different version and, and it starts causing you, just listen and, and, and don't read along. Um, if you have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you are slaves to sin, you are free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. We're free. From, we're, free. we're free from sin, but, but God does this crazy thing here. We read it. He says, I'll set you free from sin and death and condemnation, but you have to become a bondservant to righteousness. So he says, you were slaves to sin, now you're a slave to righteousness. And we go, wait a second, did I, just, did I just trade one slavery for another? No. Let me explain. I want to do this quick because we, we're going to still have communion at the end of service. But 
we were, we were a slave to sin, and yet the Bible says that you are a slave to whomever you obey. We obeyed sin, and so we were slaves to sin. When Christ comes into our lives, we become a slaves to righteousness. But it's the same, t- the word in the, in the Greek is, is doulon. It's, it's very similar to doulos, which means servant. But it comes from an understanding of what happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there would be slaves. But these slaves weren't the way we know them from, you know, roots. And what happened in this country. Those slaves would often become slaves to people because they owed them money. They couldn't pay their own way. So they would become kind of servants to those that they owed money. And they would serve them for seven years. At the end of the seven years, the law stated that they would be set free. Their debt was paid after seven years. Actually, the way it was written is that, that every seven years was the year of freeing of the slaves. If you became a slave in year five, you only had to work for two years. And then you'd get set free. You know, if you became a slave. But at seven years, they would set you free. Now, here's the deal. Some of these people who were slaves went, this master takes care of me. I have food, I have a house, and he's good to me. I want to stay on as his servant. He didn't go and ask the guy for a job. That's not what they did. They actually would say, if you'll take me, master, I will stay your slave for life. They called it a bond servant. They'd go to the temple, and the, the priest would, would be part of this, uh, this uh, transaction. And if the master and the slave were in agreement, they would take him to the doorpost at, at the temple, and they'd drive an awl through his ear. So all you young people, pay attention. It's okay to get your ear pierced. As long as you're going to serve Christ with all of your life. And they'd put a hole in the ear. And that would show that he was no longer a slave, but a bondservant, a voluntary slave. He couldn't quit. This wasn't like, oh, can I work for you for a couple years? This has been cool. It was a a lifelong choice saying, I was a slave. Now I'm going to serve you forever. When when, when Romans 6 is talking about being a slave to righteousness, he's saying, be a bondservant volunteer to serve God with everything that you are and everything that you have. Choose to be a slave to righteousness. We're not hirelings. We don't go, hey, I feel like being righteous today. Cool. What's the benefit of being righteous today? I got a nice deal. But tomorrow I'm going to be unrighteous because that sounds better. But you know, honestly, that's how some of us live. Some people in the church live that way. They choose righteousness one day. They choose unrighteousness the next. And he's saying, no, you are slaves to righteousness. You are a bondservant. You've you've made that choice. You're free from sin. You become a slave to God. The Bible makes it clear that we were slaves to sins because we followed the way of the world. We're slaves to righteousness, but Galatians 4, 7 says this. So you are no longer a slave but a son. God has made you also an heir. So are we a slave? Am I a son? Listen, Christ did the work. He died for me. He died for you. We are still in our sins. He died for all of us. He called us through Jesus Christ. God Almighty called you to be his son. And he chose each and every one of us in this room to be conformed into the likeness. Conformed that that we would look like him. 
He called us to be grafted. Like He uses so many different pictures. Grafted like you would graft a, a, a plant into another plant. We're in him. We're a son. We're bondservants to Jesus. So and I th- when we think about this and compare the Founding Fathers' Declaration of Independence, we're declaring independence. They were declaring independence from England. They, but they knew that in order to succeed, they'd have to voluntarily to submit to God and His ways expressed through the Bible. What about me? What about you? We're set free from sin. Are we putting our hope, and righteousness, and hope entirely in Him? What governs us? That's a question for each of everyone to answer. What governs you this morning? Where are you building your, your, your belief system and your faith? Is it on God or is it in the things of the world? We don't want to live under the control of a tyrant any longer. And I want to talk about a couple of, of tyrants that we commonly find in the church. and, and people, Not just in the church, all over. But we face these same tyrants in the church. One of them is fear. Fear. Fear, I believe, is one of the biggest tyrants. Fear reveals itself into so many areas of our life that we don't even recognize that some of the things that we do, some of the sin habits that we have, some of the behaviors that we have are rooted in fear. Now, two of the biggest fears for people are are the fear of failure and the fear of people. We call it fof and fop. Fear of failure and fear of people. For the fear of, you'll remember that one hopefully, fof and fop. For the fear of failure, people won't even try new things. Because they're afraid to fail. Fof and fop. Fear of people. I want to focus a little bit on on the fear of people for a couple of minutes. Because as we're talking about Independence Day, we want to become independent of sin and independent of any tyrannical governors in our life. Anything that's lording over us. We want to become independent on that. And then we want to become dependent on God. Independently dependent. Fear of people. One of the things that fear of people comes out is, is fear of judgment. You know, there's a fear of judgment. People are afraid that they're going to be judged. This, in fact, it, it's, it's, there's a, it came up on Facebook just the other day, and I've heard it in the past, and it says, only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. People are, are afraid of being judged. They don't want to be judged. Now, some might say they're not afraid of being judged. They just don't want to be judged by anybody, you know. But let's talk, see what the Bible says. The, you know the Bible actually says that we are called to judge? The Bible says that Christians are called to judge, but it doesn't say we're supposed to be judgmental. You know, I don't know what the difference is, but uh, we're, we're called to judge, not be judgmental. I think you understand the difference. Let me talk a little bit about the, the, what is judging. We're called to judge those inside the church for righteousness', righteousness sake. We're, we're, called to, we're called to find those people that are, that are struggling in their sin and, and help them. We're not supposed to condemn them because there's no condemnation. Galatians 6 says, if anyone is caught in a sin, you should restore him gently. Judgment is saying, hey, look, I'm, I, I, I know what you're doing. You're living this kind of life. God doesn't want you to live this way. We want to help restore you out of this sin. That's godly judgment. Calling sin, sin is not wrong. It's how you do it. It's how whether or not you're judgmental. If somebody ever comes up to you and says, you know, I know you told me you went out and did this, and I just want to tell you, you know, God doesn't want you to live that way, and you say, hey, stop judging me, they're not. 
They're not judging you. You told them that you were living in sin, and they're just telling you, hey, as a Christian, I want to help you stop sinning. That's not judgment. So, but we're, we don't want to be judged. The goal of judgment should always be restoration. Now, if somebody comes to you and they're, and they're talking about your sin and it's just to expose it and to be mean to you, that's not the goal. The goal is always restoration. 1 Corinthians 5, you're taking notes, talks about judging immorality in the church, even expelling immoral people from the church. Do you know that's what we're supposed to do? We don't. Most churches do not do this. But the Bible says if somebody's living a continuous immoral life and you go to them and they refuse to change but they call themselves a believer, you're supposed to expel them out of the fellowship of the church. <laughs> Why? So that the destruction of their flesh may result in the saving of their soul. It's always, always, always about restoration. It's never about uh, being angry or mean or, or, or uh, getting um, retribution or anything else. It's always, about retro- it's always about restoration. So we do judge. In fact, the Bible even says that, that says, hey, if you can't judge among the church, you know, we're going to judge the angels in the end. So, so w- w- there is... But listen, we're not to be, um, to be judgmental. Now listen, we we're, we're going to be judged occasionally by men, but all of us will definitely be judged by God. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. That sounds like a good bunch of people. A little bit further, just a couple verses later, it's talking about the same people. So so keep these lists in mind. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, me, a mere man, a mere woman, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth, there will be wrath and anger. So we've got this, this fear of, of um, being judged. The truth is, we're going to be judged. But we don't have to be afraid of that judgment if we're in Christ. You know, the enemy wants to come and make us afraid of condemnation, afraid of failure, and afraid of all these things. And so we're like, oh, I don't, don't want to be judged. I don't want these things. But we need to come back and say, you know what? I'm in Christ and I follow him. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. I'm free. I don't have to be afraid of judgment unless you have a reason to be afraid of judgment. Amen? And that's the other part of it. We can't, if there's a reason to be afraid, well, be afraid. Be very afraid because the fear of, of that uh, judgment of God should be something we, we have. But in Christ, there is no condemnation. We're f- we have a fear of being rejected. We shouldn't fear rejection because we're accepted by the most important being in the universe. Romans 15 says this, Therefore, accept each other just as, in, just as Christ accepted you. 
God calls us to accept those who've been accepted by God. People are afraid of rejection, but we should be the most accepting group of people on this earth. Those who God has accepted, we should accept. Purple hair, saved by grace, accept them. Tattoos, piercings, saved by grace, accept them. They wear a suit and a tie, but they're saved by grace, accept them too. Don't judge. Don't judge. They're saved by grace. We accept those who've been accepted by God. In Christ, we're free. There's no condemnation. We're accepted. We're his son, his daughters. We have a fear of lowliness. But God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And Psalm 145 says, the Lord is near those who call on him and call on him in truth. You have to call on him in truth and he's near to you. He's near to all of us. We never have to be afraid of being alone. And if the body of Christ is doing its job, we're going to also come alongside one another and love them in their hard times, rejoice with them in their good times. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and so should the body of Christ be. We need to hold each other up. We need to be loving one another. See, fear is such a big driving factor. Many of our, our decisions, our bad choices, they're made right out of that fear. Why is peer pressure so strong? It's driven by fear. Fear that I won't be accepted. Fear that, that I won't be as cool as, as I want to be. You know, greed is often connected to fear. I don't want to be poor. I'm afraid that I won't be able to pr- provide for my family and so we, we can get greedy. I don't want to lend things. I don't want to give things away because I don't want them. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be struggling. Fear. You know, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love, the love of God, the love of Jesus for us. God, we need his love. And you know where the best place to receive love is, is in the family, in the church, in his people. We need to be loving the body and get rid of that fear. We need to walk in faith. We know Hebrews 11 one says, Now faith is being sure, being certain of what we hope for. Certain of what we do not see. Fear is also connected to what we don't see or know. You think about, think about anyone, all of us have fears in here. Every one of us has fear. I had, a, I had a dream. My son talked about a bear. I guess there was a bear out in Irwin Lake recently. Or maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. But he heard that there was. And he talked about a bear. I had a dream about getting chased by a bear last night. And I was with someone, and I don't know who they were. It was, uh, was kind of weird because it wasn't like a friend. It was like a, an actor or something. You know how dreams go. And the bear jumped on him, just ate him. I mean, it was like, it was really scary. I mean, and, and we're, I mean, it was just, so I don't know why I had a, this, I mean, you know, that fish was weird. That fish we ate last night. I'm usually not afraid of a bear, but why are we afraid of a bear? Because we go, well, man, that bear might eat me. Well, you know what? Most, Most times, bears don't mess with anybody. People see bears all the time. I had to chase a bear out of the middle school when I was a a custodian there. A bear got onto campus, and I had to follow it around all morning, keeping an eye on it. You know, most bears, they're just lumbering around, but why are we afraid? Because we say, it might eat me. Why are we afraid of heights? I might fall. Why are we afraid of bees? It might sting me. 
our fears, and, and we know that the, you know, I'm afraid to go in the ocean because I might get eaten by a shark. Now, has anyone ever been eaten by a shark or a bear or stung by a bee? Yes! But it doesn't happen very often. Honestly, even bee stings. You think about all the times that bees have encounters with man and how few stings there are. But we're afraid. We, that's the exact same thing, but opposite of faith. Faith is being certain, sure of what we, uh, what we are not sure of. Right? It's like, I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but I'm sure it's going to. And that's faith. I don't really know if the God's going to take care of me, but I know that he is. Okay? That's kind of faith. Fear's the exact opposite. I'm not sure if this bad thing's going to happen, but it's going to. So we need to increase our faith, church. Here we go. We're going to get through it. We're going to still have communion. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to be people of the word of God. Now, if you're taking notes, this is where you really start. We need to be a people of the word of God. You want to grow your faith? We need to read the word. We need to memorize the word. We need to talk about the word. Deuteronomy 6 is that whole passage that says, talk about the commandments when you rise, when you sit, when you go in, when you go out. Write them on the doorposts. Write them everywhere. Talk, talk, talk. The, Psalm 119 talks about the word and how important it is to us. If you want to grow in, the, in, the, in your faith, we need to be people of the word. We need to be people of prayer. We want to grow our faith. We want to, not, we want to get out from under the tyranny of fear and other, pe- other things, other tyrannical governors in our life. Be a people of the word. Be a people of prayer. And I'm not talking about just asking for things. All of us in here are probably really good at asking God to do stuff for us. God, will you do this? God, will you do that? God, will you do this? You know, that's not what God is. God's not just a God to just go to him whenever you want and, and get what you want and then leave. He's not the eternal bird feeder. You know, birds have to do nothing for their food. They just fly up to your bird feeder and eat and they leave. Don't be a bird. Have relationship with God. Sit in his presence. You know, I, 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 like, I like looking at birds. It's fun that the hummingbirds come with a little hummingbird. You go out in there and look there. When they're done, they leave. They're not accountable. Don't be like that with God. When, when you come to him, he wants to look at you and spend time with you. Spend time with him. Jude 20 says this, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit. Be a person of prayer, pray in the Holy Spirit, spend time with God, listen to him. Don't come into his presence and leave quickly. Be a person of the word, be a person of prayer, be a person of action and obedience. When God asks you to do something, do it. Be obedient. He's calling us to to live for him, to share our faith with others. He wants us to be active in ministry. We began to talk about that last week. We're going to hit a little bit more next week. Being activated in ministry and using our gifts and stepping out in the Holy Spirit. He wants us to all be serving in the body. The little uh, thing that David um, wrote in the bulletin about serving was really neat. You know, if you're ever wondering, the right side of the bulletin, the little commentary, that's, that's David Rogers who writes that every week. And I just always come in on Sunday morning and go, what did he write this week? You know, I don't even get, usually get to see it ahead of time. 
But, but God has, he wants us to be activated and busy in serving him. He wants us to be obedient. Remember at the beginning we said, how will God's blessings come? It's those who obey, who obey his words fully. So we want to be, be a people of the word. We want to be a people of prayer. We want to be a people of action and obedience. And we want to be a people who love his people. Hang out with other believers. This is going to help build your faith. You know how it helps build your faith? You get together in a life group and, and you pray for one another and you encourage and somebody says, hey, let me tell you, remember how we prayed for something last week? This is how God answered the prayer. You go, wow, God is so good. Hey, I'm really struggling. Somebody comes, you know what? I had the same struggle in my life. Let me tell you how God was faithful to me. See, when you hang out, when you're with other believers, you hear, the, you, you hear how God won a victory in their lives, and that's really important. The other thing sometimes is okay even. You find out that you're not alone in your struggle. Sometimes there's not an answer for the other person, but they're going through the same thing that you are. And maybe just that is enough to go, oh, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone in this battle. Other people are dealing with the same things. If you want to grow, be a person who loves the people of God. Be in fellowship. Don't be part of this new move of saying, I don't want to be part of the church. It's just me against the world. And and align yourself. You are going to set yourself up. You're going to be a sitting duck. Your faith isn't even going to grow in the way it's supposed to because you're not hearing from other believers of what God is doing. And then you're missing out on the the moment of being able to encourage other believers. You know, your faith is encouraged and built up when you encourage another believer. When you are able to say something to somebody in a situation that encourages them, you walk away and you feel more encouraged than them. Talk to any Sunday school teacher. They say, I learn more about God by teaching the kids. My faith has grown so much in teaching the kids. Step out, be in ministry, and be with people who love one another. That's what we want to be here at this church. We want to grow in areas of our life. In, in our life groups, we have the, f- the five W's that we talk about in a life group meeting. The first one is a welcome. Welcome is where you get to know one another a little bit better. Tell about a time that you did this. Tell about a time. You know what another word for that is? Fellowship. Hanging out with other believers. Then we go into a time of worship. Worship where we're exalting God and sitting in his presence. We want to pe- be a people of, of worship. The next part in a, in a small group that we go through is the time in the word where we're discipled, where we're learning about the precepts of God and understanding what he has for us. God wants us to be growing all three of these things, but we don't stop there. We also have a time where we say, how do we apply the word of God? What is God calling you to do in ministry this week to apply the word of God? And there's another W in there. It's called witness. How are you going to reach your neighbor, the person at the store, your friend for Jesus Christ. As believers, we're supposed to be growing in all of these things. As we grow in all these things, your faith will grow. As your faith grows, you're going to overcome the fear that's holding you back. But it's a commitment to him, to his word, and to be faithful and to grow in those things. I'm going to ask the 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 elders and uh, the people are to pass out the communion elements real quick. And we're going to worship. We're, we're not going to spend long. We're a small group today. It won't take long. But we're going to pass out the, the elements. And the reason I held it until the end is because when Jesus had communion, in fact, let's, Zach, you want to go help also? Let's get, let's get it served a little quicker today. And when Jesus was having communion with his disciples, part of the idea was like saying, listen, guys, we're raising the ante. You know, this is what God did. This is what Jesus did with, with his people. He started out kind of easy. 
And then all of a sudden, he kept raising the ante. And, and as he did that, people left. People started leaving, going, oh, man, this is too hard for me. Remember the time a whole bunch of disciples left, and he looked at his 12, he says, will you leave me? And he goes, where will we go? Well, at the very end, he says, okay, this is it. This is finally it. If you want to be my disciples, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. What was he saying? You're all in. You got to be all in. And so, so this commitment today is to say, God, I want to be a bondservant. I want to submit to your precepts and to you, and, and, and I want to be all in, and I'm going to eat of your flesh. Now, we don't believe that the cracker, uh, that the matzo bread turns into the, the, blood, the body of Jesus. We don't believe that. That's probably Welch's grape juice in there, you know? It's not going to become the blood of Jesus, but it represents his blood. It represents what he did for us so that we could be bond servants of him, set free from our sin and a slave to righteousness and be set free from all the junk that the enemy wants us to walk in all the time and to walk in freedom and to walk in relationship with him. Be somebody who wants to grow in these five areas in our lives. This is a full, well-rounded Christian to grow in worship and discipleship and fellowship and evangelism and ministry. He wants us all to grow. It's still coming over on this side. They're coming. Thank you guys so much. Is this okay? You okay? Okay. There's so much hope represented in in communion. So much hope in, in giving our lives fully to him. He wants to take us from glory to glory. He doesn't want to leave us in, in, in these bondages in, of, of the tyranny of fear and of the enemy. He wants to set us free and take us glory to glory. And it was from his body and his blood. The Bible talks about when Jesus broke this and he went to his disciples. And it was the night that he was betrayed. Jesus had a lot going on. He says, guys, you know this, this matzah cracker we've been eating? You know, this represents my body. And my body's about to be broken for you. I'm doing this not because anyone has power over me. I'm doing this for you so that you can have life. And he took that bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice for us all. God, we thank you that we have life, we have hope, we have freedom in you. God, we, we, I, God I thank you that you willingly chose to let your body be beaten and broken for me. God, that, that I'd have life. Let's, let's receive the body together. It says in Corinthians that in the same manner he took the, the cup and he blessed it and gave thanks. He said, this is the blood of a new covenant. We're not under the law. We're not under sin. We're not under condemnation. We're under freedom in the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for victory. We thank you for life because of the blood of Jesus. God, we commit ourselves to you afresh today in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. Let's just sing. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. 
to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound. In your ear. Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for hope. We thank you, God, you have really, truly set us free. God, and we commit to you to be bond servants, to follow you with our whole life, to be obedient to you. God, then we can know that you will bless this nation. You will bless us. You will keep us free, God. Father, we thank you so much for all that you did. God, bring us back safely and together tonight for a time of fellowship and, and, and a movie tonight. And um, just be with everyone today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Senior life groups this week. Make sure you, if you're not in one, join one. Start one. If you want to start one, would love you to start one.